Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. So welcome back to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time listening to the show, yeah, I'm just going to say get quiet, get still, and focus. Because our guest today, well, you know we have lots of powerful guests, amazing guests, but we're having an amazing conversation. So today is not going to be any different. I guess today is coming with... Well, I don't really know how to describe it, even though she's somewhat younger than most of us. She has had a lot, a lot of losses. Her attitude is beyond something that I haven't been able to grasp in spite of all the losses. And just to name a few, the the brain tumor, paralysis, homelessness, memory loss, And there are more that I'm going to just allow her to share with you. So again, welcome. And let me just welcome Kayla Michael to this episode. I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. And as I started to introduce you to our listeners I want you to share what you would like to share briefly, a little bit about your story. Maybe start with your foundation, how life started for you. I know life started for me. My foundation was really, really broken because I lost my mom in age three. And that same sex relationship, when it's not there, oh, wow. Anyway, what can I say? So that was my foundation. Tell us a little bit about how you started in this beautiful life. That's interesting. I was born to uh, teenage parents back in the late 80s, and my mother was only 15. And in my toddler years, she left. And I haven't really had a mother. I haven't had a connection with her. I mean, to this day, she, she doesn't know where I am or really even who I am. I was raised by my dad, who's very young. We struggled a lot. So my foundation also is challenging. Yeah. So, Kayla, as you said that, we may be polar opposite in terms of feeling and knowing that we didn't get that mothering, that nourishing, that nurturing that every little girl deserves, that 
I didn't get it because my mom passed on when she transitioned. Yet your story is different in that your mom is still alive, I'm assuming. Yeah, but very absent in your life. So even though it happened in different ways for us, that's one commonality. You know, I used to call myself, I used to say I was motherless. I was a motherless daughter. But then I, for me, I realized, yes, the physical body is gone. But because she left so early, she's so perfect to me. You know, she didn't have an opportunity to give me those spankings that little kids get, right? <laughs> she That's was awesome. just perfect to me. So, and yes, I still know her spiritually, energetically. So thanks for sharing with the listeners. And I love the mother-daughter relationship is so, so important to me. So, so important. So tell us more. What else? Anything else you would like to share? I mean, that's that's really the gist of it. I didn't really get to be a kid because I, I kind of was more focused on survival. And I had my younger brothers, 13 months younger than me. Um, I played a very large role in raising him, even in our toddler years. And, you know, we just got through. Yeah. And you said your father raised you, and but it was a struggle. Could you share a little about that? Yes, it was definitely a struggle. He was young. I think he was, I think he was 20 when our mom left. I remember he worked overnights in like a factory, which was difficult. And then, you know, he came home after working third shift and had kindergartners trying to get on the bus and coming home at noon and somebody comes home at three. He he juggled a lot. Yay, but yay to the dads, right? Moms are always getting all the credit. And yeah, so kudos to your father who he hung in there and he took care of you and your brother. And uh, you were a mom to your brother. So you started this parenting thing early, right? I did. Yeah. So now did you learn how to, as you grew older, did you learn how to be a parent to that little girl, you, the little girl who didn't receive it from her mom? Were you able to shift that? Actually, no. That has been a very recent development in my life mm-hmm. um, that I have I have really kind of looked inward to that and trying to find ways like, how do I do that? What do I do? You know, kind of that little girl grew up scared and hungry and cold sometimes. And she often felt alone. And so I've, I've really had to look inward and tell that little girl, like, it's okay. I'm here now. You're not alone. We don't have to be scared. Mm, I love that. I was having this moment. I don't know. It was with a potential client and she was talking a lot about how she's stuck and She knows there's so much more inside of her, so much more that she would like to be, to do, to have, but she stopped. Uh, She stopped because she can't move forward. She hasn't been able to move forward. And it came up for me that because of my personal experience, until that little girl is healed, I love your word, she was scared. Until she's healed, she will remain scared. And she will stop the show. She will stop everything. (laughs) You know, she's controlling us as adults. That little girl is still running the show Mm -hmm. if we don't 
support her in feeling secure and safe. So I'm glad that you reached that point where you've been able to nurture and love on her and let her know you got her back. You're the parent now, and the two of you are doing it together. That's so beautiful. Thank you for reminding me of that. I think a lot of people just don't connect procrastination and fear and not being able to step out into their success. They don't connect it to their childhood. And maybe that little boy, little girl is still afraid and they're controlling things. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. You said she was scared. She was hungry and she was alone. She felt alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there anything in particular that you're doing now to support her when she rises up, when she shows up in your life? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny uh, <laughs> because I do feel sometimes her, like I imagine a toddler in the grocery store on the floor, just flailing and kicking and screaming. And I feel her throwing a fit sometimes, but I, I really have been able to start building this connection with her through meditation. A lot of times that'll be, it'll be when I meditate. And especially when I, when I feel myself losing focus and and like trying to, but I'm not, but I don't want to like coming out of meditation and I'll ask her, just sit here with me, just a few more minutes, just sit with me a few more minutes. And that's really kind of how I've started to build that with her. Mm, Beautiful. That stillness, that silence, Mm -hmm. being quiet. Yeah, beautiful. Now, at the beginning, I introduced some of your, let's say, challenges that you continue to overcome. And before we started the show, you were talking about how grief is, I'll just use the word interesting. You can use your word. (laughs) A lot of people don't associate grief with some of their challenges. So having the brain tumor, the paralysis and memory loss, just losses, losses, losses. The one definition for grief that I really, really love is so elementary, but I don't know that we as human connect to that. Whenever we want something to be a certain way, we can't have it. We grieve it. We're just like little children, right? I wanted my mom to be alive, not alive. So I grieved it. Loss of health. I want you want to be more healthier. So that's a form of grief. But one thing that struck me that you said during our conversation was you don't want anyone to have pity or feel sad for you. Tell us more about that. Yes. So I um, found out in uh, late October that we found a massive tumor on my brainstem. And if you're not familiar with the brainstem and its functions, that's exactly what is keeping us alive. So by the time we found it, it had grown so large and tumors grow exponentially. So I mean, at this point, it was like skyrocketing. I had about a month left to live by the time we found it. So it hit very hard, very fast, very, like nobody really had any time to process what just happened to me. (laughs) And I kind of made the decision early on. So I'll never forget right before I was like the final admission that was like, okay, you're going in for this series of surgeries over the weekend. We can't promise you're going to wake up 
we're going to try. But it was like me not waking up was a very real thing. And that morning before I went to the hospital, I FaceTimed my grandparents. Um, I'm 34 years old. I have both of my grandparents still, and I don't take that for granted any day of my life. I try to FaceTime them every day, even if I just check in and say, hi, I love you. But I had FaceTime them that morning and my grandmother said, we just love you to pieces. She just started crying. And I decided right then I, I really would like to never see her cry again. <laughs> it was devastating. And my dad, I mean, I can't hardly talk to my dad through any of this without him just break, just crying. Um, so I decided really early on that I don't have much control of much of anything in my life right now. But the one thing I do have control of is the public perception of my experience of this. And the one thing I can do is protect those that love me from the hurt and the pain that I feel. I can tell them how bad this hurts or how awful or how scared I am. There's nothing anybody can do about any of it. Um, none of this is meant to be pain-free or fun. Still, nothing anybody can do. So I would like to protect them from how I feel. So I don't, I don't share with them and anything but smiles. Um, and I encourage them. We're doing this together. Everything is okay. We're all going to be okay. And that's really kind of where like my attitude and the power of positivity has really kind of shaped this whole thing for everybody. So I love, let me make sure I repeat this. So if someone missed it, it's so important that you have daily contact with your grandparents. Daily contact. I try. Yeah, you try. That is so, so beautiful. That's so beautiful. So if you are protecting your grandparents from your story, your life, your health issues, do you have others that you're able to share with and express your true feelings? No, because everybody that I have that I, that I could share any of that with cares a lot about me is having a really difficult time. I often say like the tumor is in my head, but we all have a brain tumor. We all are having a traumatic experience. And again, the one thing I have control of is the perception of my specific experience. Everybody is already so worried about me. So I keep it to myself. I very recently started a blog. So I'm getting ready to release my first book, which kind of surrounds my unique experience with um, motherhood. Um, and being active duty military. The second book, which I have started, is documenting this entire medical journey and wow. the way that my support system has shown up and really carried me through all of it. Yeah. Well, let me say thank you for serving this country. Thank you for your service. <laughs> it was my honor. Beautiful. And I would be remiss if I don't share this because I believe this based on my personal experience that when you have a community of people that you can trust, that you trust, is safe, uh, is non-judgmental, it's just a sacred environment, to be able to share your real feelings, your true feelings, that's so, so important. 
So that this is not a coaching session, but that is my offer to you is to find yourself a community where you can really share because we all want someone to witness our pain. It's just who we are as humans. And oftentimes our relatives can't hold our pain. They just can't hold that space for us. No judging of that, but and oftentimes friends can't. But there's so, so many communities. Healing happens in community. So something to think about. I, I hope you will seriously consider that. And we'll talk more about your book toward the end. So I'm just so excited to hear more about the book. But let's go back to that phrase, the power of positivity. Tell me more. Tell the listeners more. So I had started putting in this mental and physical work before I knew I was sick. Actually, pretty much all of 2020, because I was diagnosed the end of October. But all of 20, I had really put a lot of effort and focus into my physical health, um, what I, you know, the nutrition I was putting into my body. And then my mental and emotional strength and a lot of meditation and a lot of affirmations and a lot of gratefulness. And, um, you know, I actively practice all of that. And then when I woke up from one of these surgeries paralyzed, that all of that stuff kind of kicked in. I had to learn to walk again. I, I mean, I, I had a lot of work to do physically, but I had done so much with my body that it's, it's almost like I had prepared myself to put in that work. I mean, they, I was doing like three hours of physical therapy a day in the hospital. Um, they, they've never had a patient do that, but I had really set myself up that my muscles could handle that. And I had exactly one job and that was to get better. So that's where I put all of my effort and then to not lose my mind, to not get stuck in the sorrow and the grief, not, not live there power of positivity. And that's where all of my mental and spiritual work had come in. And again, my biggest thing was remain grateful. Where else did I need to be except the hospital? That was exactly where I needed to be. I just happened to be in the hands of one of the best neurosurgeons, I mean, around. Um, there was so much to be grateful for. I had so many friends stepped in and took care of so many things for me that I didn't have to worry about. I mean, I had to break my lease, move out of my house in a weekend. I didn't touch any of that. People flocked to Cleveland and put my house into storage. I didn't touch. And how beautiful is that? So, I mean, that's where the power of positivity came in is to allow me to not live in that sorrow and to really focus and find where, how do I find the light in the situation? Beautiful. That is so, so beautiful. Yeah. Let me just reflect back what I heard you say. Number one, you've given us some powerful spiritual tools. I call them spiritual tools, the meditation. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to meditate. I, I can't get quiet. It's just my mind is running, running, running. It takes practice. And it doesn't have to look any particular way. It's just really silence, just getting silence. You can do that through focusing on music or nature, the birds chirping, whatever. So meditation is so, so powerful. Affirmations. We are so good at, well, actually, we are affirming things throughout the day, throughout our life, through 
our thoughts. So when you're intentional about your affirmation, you likely, in all likelihood, you are affirming the truth of who you are. When you're not so intentional, you're affirming doubt and fear and all those other things, right? So the meditation, the affirmations, and gratitude, gratitude. No matter what's going on in our life, we can find something to be grateful for. And you just decided, you chose to be grateful for all the things, other things that were happening around your life, around everything, the hospital, the surgeon, the friends, the moving. Yeah, so beautiful. And you said, I didn't live in the sorrow. You chose to lose, live somewhere else. Yeah. And I say, it's important to live from within. Now, I know some people will say, no, not me. You don't know how broken my heart is. It hurts too much to live from within there. That's where the meditation, the silence, and connecting to something bigger, stronger, more powerful than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Live within, from within, as opposed from outside of us. I also heard you say your number one job was, what was your number one job? To get better. To get better. Yeah. So that was your focus. Sounds like you were very focused. You were intentional about doing whatever needed to be done to get better. Mm-hmm. So the sorrow, the doubt, the fear just didn't have a home inside of you. How beautiful is that? Yeah. So now I see the I saw a little one. Tell me a little bit about the children. How many kids do you have? I have two kids. My son Nolan is about to turn 13. And my daughter Audra just turned 11. 13 and 11. Wow. So all of that positivity you just shared with us. How do you instill that in your 11 and 13 year old? <laughs> um they are not all the way on board with, I mean, the mom's weird. <laughs> they think that I'm very weird and that's okay. I am, but I, I still, we still do things like, you know, I can get them to meditate with me for maybe 10 minutes in the week or they're with their dad in Ohio. Obviously I I'm not in a position to be caring really for anybody <laughs> right now, but you know, most days I'll text them. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for today? And I love the answers they send back. It's always something hilarious. And I'll text them, what's your affirmation for today? And again, I, I enjoy so much seeing what it is they come up with. Um, my daughter one time said something that I'm pretty sure changed my life, but I had texted them. They were at their dad's in the group message and said, what's your affirmation for the day? And my daughter said, good flows to me, good flows from me. Mm. Wow. I said, wow. It's all good, right? Count it all good. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it is about the next generation. Yes. I'm realizing more and more how obsessed I am about mental and emotional healing. And of course, I start with me first. But then I realize if I can model that for my children who are now grown-ups, that's the legacy that I'm leaving behind. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a big organization or now I 
my mom, the legacy she left behind is the fact that I'm doing this work, you know, this grief work, and I get to talk about her. So that's the legacy I'm building Mm -hmm. around my mother's loss. But it can be an emotional legacy, mental and spiritual, and it doesn't have to be anything tangible, right? The material, the cars, the business, the whatever we focus on, it can be those intangible things that are more important that, than any tangible material item. So yes, to model that for our children, go ahead. Yes. So that has been through all. So I was never supposed to walk again. I was never supposed to be as far as I already am in my recovery. Surgeons and therapists and nurses. I mean, everybody is just floored. And that's great. That's cool or whatever. But the most important thing to me is to teach my children how am I as able as I am today and to teach them that they too can be that able, even when others think that they cannot, that they have, this is the blood they have in them and everything that they need is within them. And so that has been my greatest takeaway is that I want my children, I'm very specific about how I want them to see this experience unfold with me and what I want them to take away from it. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, Lucky children. (laughs) What a great uh, thing that you're doing for your children. Now, you also mentioned a book and tell us the listeners about the book. When is it coming out? And yeah. So I, um, I'm looking at a official release date of October 24th. And the reason I chose that specific day is that is the day that I went to the ER with a sore throat and they found out that I was dying from a brain tumor. So I instead would like to take control of that narrative. And instead of that day being about that memory and that experience, I would like to transform it into something positive. Um, And so I think that's the day that I would like to release my first book and not the day that I found out I was dying. So I'm I'm looking at October 24th. Um, I'm just kind of waiting on everything to finalize. And the book is called IDK Yet. I don't know yet. Most of my life has been about hard left turns and not not knowing really what the future brings and, you know, just kind of riding the wave and letting things work out the way that they work out. And, you know, this brain tumor in the way that my entire everything I knew was like ripped away from me and one ER visit, everything has always been, I don't know yet. Even when I started writing it, I didn't know what the ending was. I never knew what the next chapter was. I never knew how the chapter I was writing was going to end. And that's really symbolic of my actual life. (laughs) I could end up anywhere by the end of the night. It documents a lot of that in me um, and kind of explains that and what that looks like in me as a mother and like how that has affected my relationship with my children. And then it really goes into the difficulties I have experienced co-parenting with their father and his wife. There have been a lot of challenges there in the co-parenting situation. And I have never told my story. I'm, I'm known really for not telling my side of the story. And I just keep quiet and keep pushing. And I finally decided I would like to tell my story. Um, I don't, I'm living on borrowed time. I don't know how much longer I have. Nobody really does. Before I die, whenever that's going to be, I just want my story told. 
Yes. Beautiful. I can't wait to to read your story. So I know we would definitely keep in touch and you let me know. And then we'll just make sure the listeners get hold of that book. I love that you said, I don't know yet. For me, it's the yet that implies I'm not giving up. Giving up is not an option. I heard someone say that, don't you want to know? What's on the other side? Don't you want to know? And if you would like to know, you have to keep moving through, right? And that's why I named, that's one of the reasons I named this podcast, Growing Through the Grief. Giving up is just not an option. There are absolutely no failures. You're just thrown into a growth period. We're all growing together. So I don't know yet. I don't know. (laughs) Don't know. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So last question. My goodness, things go, time goes really fast. Mm -hmm. Has any of your story, your trauma, anything in your life that compelled you to whether write the book or something you haven't shared with us already? What your losses propelled you to do what? in life? I have always been called to tell my story. And I never knew exactly what that meant. I just knew that I always heard that. I mean, from when I was little, I've always heard, tell your story, Kayla, tell your story. And I was always like, what story? (laughs) Now it's becoming more clear. Um, A lot of women have difficult and challenging relationships with their children and or co-parents. And that's never talked about. It's talking mm-hmm. about the father's experience with co-parenting, but not the mother's. So I, that's a story I need to tell. And this whole thing about all the losses I've experienced and how have I managed to get through that and still wake up and smile? That's a story I need to tell. Mm-hmm. So, and that's has caused me to start my website, which is leadlikeme.com. And it's a motivational blog. And I just blog about, really love and kindness and how does that show up in my world and how I treat me, you, the earth, animals, that guy over there that I don't know, like it's everything I do comes from a place of love. And so I've started that blog about how, what does that look like? And, you know, these books now that I'm writing. Yeah. Beautiful. So let me recap what I recall And then, of course, I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners maybe one takeaway, one thing that you will offer that they do when they're having some challenges in their life. So when we first started out, we got on the topic of, let's call it the inner child for this discussion. Every one of us has a little girl or a little boy inside of us who's still afraid, right? So it's so, so important to get in touch with that part of us, however you would like to do it. So that was number one. Number two, you talked about spiritual practices. I'm calling them spiritual practices, meditation, affirmation. Wow, I'm drawing a blank on the third one. There was another one, but it'll come back up later. Gratitude. Gratitude. How in the world could I forget gratitude? (laughs) My goodness. And... Some of the ways, this power of positivity for you, you're planning to express 
that in your story, your book, your blog? What did I miss? What what's what are some other maybe one or two more takeaways for the listeners? If they're struggling, they have they're having challenges, just one after the other, or they haven't been able to overcome some trauma that happened to them as a child. What would you tell them? We are never in control of what happens to or around us. Not never. We can't do anything about it. Really, most times we can't do anything about it. What we can control is our experience of it. And we get to choose how do we wake up? We get to choose, do I practice gratitude today or not? We get to choose how we navigate what is happening around us that we can't control. And you have to accept that you can grab those reins and you have to take control. Yes, beautiful. We get to choose. So everyone who's listening to this episode, choose. And whatever you decide to choose, be okay with that. When you're no longer okay with the choices that you're making, then shift, then change, then grow through it, then uh, transform it, right? Yeah. So Kayla, we will definitely be putting your information out in the show notes and it just went by much too soon. It just went by too quickly. And I know you're getting ready to uh, have some more procedures done. We, as a community, just going to hold that love and light for you for us. Just complete, complete recovery that your body is restored back to its wholeness, to the intent, to the way it came into this world. Right. <laughs> because. You understand the importance of choosing and surrendering and releasing control. So we're just going to hold that space for you. Anything else you would like to say before we close it out? One last parting thing that I am just dying to say is you said so many people say, I I don't know how to meditate. So many people just struggle with the idea of even starting meditation. And you're right, it is a practice. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to know how to, you don't have to anything. All you have to do is ask for help. There are a lot of us willing to help show you and guide you along. And how do we meditate and how can it benefit us? And how can it work into your specific individual life? You don't have to know the answers. You don't have to know. You just have to know who to ask. And I'm one of those people and you are one of those people. You can reach out and say, I would like to start meditating or I would like to know how this could help me. And let us let us help. Yeah, that's beautiful. You, I never really share this, but I am a certified meditation teacher. <laughs> that is, that's how I live my life. I started with gratitude every single morning, you know, just the, the, I'm grateful for the exhale. You know, we want it. We know that we take an inhale, but not everybody received that exhale. Mm-hmm. And I know that that exhale is not based on the greatness of Diana. I know that exhale is coming from something greater and bolder and more powerful than I am. So I'm grateful for the exhale. I know that God is meeting me right in the middle so that that exhale comes out. So gratitude, if you can't find anything else, be grateful for the exhale. Yes? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What a beautiful experience with you. I am so happy. I am so grateful. And I thank you so, so much for sharing your story with our listeners. I thank you. And for our listeners, this is the end of another episode. And you know what I'm going to say. Again, there are no failures. You're just in a growth period. So grow, 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 grow. (laughs) Keep on growing. Until then, I will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.